Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, out loud, chapter by chapter. So, yeah, we finished last week another book of the Bible. We looked at the Gospel of Mark, and I mentioned we're going back to the Old Testament, that we're taking a look um, at one of the books of Moses. And so we were looking at, hmm, well, what makes sense? What's a good one to be looking at? And we came up with Exodus. Uh, we Last time, we were looking at the Gospel of John, then we looked at Numbers. We had that nice connection uh, with, uh, of course, the Gospel of John chapter 3, that so as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man was lifted up. So here in Exodus, I think we're going to see a lot of different connections to the Gospel of Mark. Um, that's going to make it really cool. Like we just read all of this. And so here, uh, Exodus, here is in many ways where this this story begins. Very similar to what we read in Numbers, but uh, so much of this, the cool stuff about the plagues and everything else, which of course also is a great connection to Revelation, which we just finished reading. Uh, today, joining us on this expedition into something new here, we've got Pastor Dan Torkelson, pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in North Prairie, Wisconsin. Good morning, brother. How are you and the saints at North Prairie? Well, I'm staying cool today. It's uh, 92 and here in Wisconsin. That's rare. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. I get yeah, I know you're uh, you're probably used to that. Uh, well, you're I, I I guess you're not in Missouri right now, but St. Louis, where KFUO is, I know. Having lived there, I know once it gets hot, it stays hot. <laughs> that's not the case oh, here. Yeah. So uh, we get a few days and then it lets up, and that's what the forecast looks like. But today is the hot one, so I'm staying cool. And at St. John's, we're doing wonderfully. We weathered, uh, <laughs> pardon the pun, we weathered everything. Um, pretty well through all of this with the lockdowns and the, the COVID uh, here in Wisconsin, we're, we're opening up again and uh, things are going well in that regard. And uh, I cannot complain. COVID has been, um, at least here at St. John's, it, it's been a motivator. Uh, giving's up, the, uh, the ministry is up. Um, expenses went down for a while. That helped too. Double bump uh, <laughs> and life. Life's not too bad in St. John, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I know. I well, know yeah, no, I, it's a, a mixed bag. But um, we had a we had a good a good experience. So, well, uh, thank you for sharing that. I know that. I, I think though, uh, as as difficult as it has been, and I don't think there's any. I don't. I don't think you ever want to, you know, deny that. You know, hard times are hard times, and a lot of people. Um, especially have been hit harder than others. But um, I, I think it's it's always a good thing to acknowledge that, you know, there's blessing that God works in the midst of the hard times and the difficulties. And um, it just really does showcase God's abundance that, you know, it's not that he only takes good things and makes them better, but takes bad things and makes good come out of it all. So um, exactly. yeah, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, just a, a good a good way to give give God the glory in the midst of it all. And yeah, and I, I, th I think that we've been seeing that in a lot of different ways, like you were saying, just, uh, you said, like, a, a motivator. And so uh, I, I think that that's actually not a, not a bad segue into Exodus, right? Because, I mean, that's where it all starts off, that there's this uh, bad situation, and God's going to work a lot of glory, a lot of amazing things out of it. Um, in, in the midst of this terrible situation, in the midst of slavery, God's going to show his glory and uh, unite 
um, his people together. So, I mean, it, it really is um, just a big, big theme that really, I mean, I mean, I mean, in some ways, like one of the most major themes of, of the scriptures in general. Yes, yeah, uh, actually, and and uh, we're in Exodus one, so you may as well throw in the whole weight of Genesis behind that too, because Genesis ends on a marvelously high note, and then as the years go by, of course, everything kind of comes back to reality in a fallen world, and and so you see this uh, as being the, the pattern you just described of uh, of things getting bad and things getting better again. This is cyclical, especially in the Old Testament, but I would argue it's cyclical in history as well. Um, so coming into Exodus 1, Israel has not had it too bad uh, for quite a while, and they've, they've multiplied, and, and they certainly were blessed as Joseph worked under a pharaoh some 300, maybe 400 years before this. But um, th- that that sort of up and down. Well, that that's life in history. That's that's what it'll teach you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, and I think uh, to your point, you know, it's it's good to look at these these old stories of God's people. Um, you know, it reminds me of, I guess, something out of First Peter. You know, when you, when this stuff happens to you, don't don't think that something strange is going on. You know, mm-hmm. um, I know that a lot of times we've we've used that phrase or that word, you know, strange, like oh, strange times, weird times. You know, it's pretty bizarre. But when you look at history, like you were saying, you say, well, you know what? This we were kind of due for some strange times. It's it's in some ways actually not so strange. Um, so yeah, yeah. Let, let's uh, let's gain that perspective. Let's let's take a look and dive in. Um, to Exodus chapter 1. We'll, we'll read this chapter straight through and then take a look at it. But first, uh, would you, brother, um, do do us the, the honor with opening us up with a prayer as we get started? Absolutely. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in your word, you introduce us to your law, which tells us how you wish for us to live and shows us our sin. And you introduce us to your gospel, the good news, uh, what you bear on our behalf and what you bore on our behalf through the gift of your one and only son jesus christ help us as we begin the book of exodus to see in it your plan for your people um a plan of redemption a plan of salvation a plan of leading out uh, people from uh, a fallen world of oppression into the promised land of eternal life through jesus christ our lord we pray amen 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 all right, so uh, we'll <clears throat> we'll go ahead and and read read through the chapter straight through, and then we'll come back and we'll take a look at it in detail here. Shorter chapter, um, only only twenty two verses, um, but as we read through it, anything that we should be listening out for, or um, any particular names or or keywords, things like that, as we listen. Yeah, uh, right away, I think you want to to notice strong connections to Genesis, particularly the end of Genesis. And, and uh, we, we really would be remiss if we didn't, since, since you weren't working with Genesis coming into Exodus, we, we really would be remiss if we didn't spend a little time talking about, uh, especially the end of Genesis. So much of uh, any kind of conversation about Genesis is usually locked up in the creation evolution discussion. But Genesis ends on this marvelous note that sets the table uh, for Exodus. And there's there's uh, wonderful uh, grammatical, linguistic, uh, terminological connections in these first uh, uh, seven verses to Genesis that, that we want to look out for. 
Um, and I think especially the, the name that ought to jump off the page is in verse 6, uh, where Joseph's death is mentioned a second time. Uh, probably a little bit of a harbinger of the, the bad news that's going to come. Um, so so uh, especially as we see how, how Joseph's story informs uh, the beginning of Exodus, that, that's very, very important for us. Um, it's important to remember, too, that where they lived was within the Nile Delta, which is to say one of the best places in the middle of the desert. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. uh, I mean, if you're going to live in the middle of the Egyptian desert, uh, well, actually, if you're going to live in, in Egypt, you don't want to live in the middle of the desert. You want to live in the Nile Delta. Exactly. Their life is not, yeah, their life is not bad until the pharaoh, uh, until a new pharaoh comes along and changes policy after so many years. Um I think I'll stop there. Well, look, let's get into the text and, and hear yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- thanks. That is, it is really helpful, though. I mean, just to, just to be thinking about it, that this is coming off of the, the Joseph narrative in Genesis, which, I mean, when you kind of break J- Genesis down, like you were saying, it's the biggest one, really, at the end there, is, is the story of, uh, you know, Jacob's sons. So, uh, I mean, really, really very big, big, prominent part of Genesis leading up yeah. to this. So, uh, interestingly, bear, bearing... Jacob, Jacob's alive during most of it, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So actually, That's the right. longest story, I think, in the Bible is Jacob's in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it's Jacob who sets the table. I mean, it's it's Jacob's life story that sets the table even maybe more so than Joseph's because Jacob fights I mean, he strives against God. This is how he gets the name uh, mm-hmm. Israel. Um, and, of course, they become the children of Israel here in, in Exodus, uh, which is a direct reference to Jacob. But Jacob's life story is what really, I think, one of uh, uh, the, the, the journey from unbelief to belief. Uh, I, I think there's plenty of references in his early life. Uh, one of the most notable ones is when he's deceiving Isaac out of the blessing. And Isaac's sure. surprised that the food gets there so fast. When he asks uh, Jacob, who's pretending to be Esau, how that happened, Jacob's response is interesting. He says, your God uh, provided the food. Uh, your, your God uh, basically worked something of a miracle in getting this done. And this is the way Jacob talks about this for a long yeah. time. The God, uh, uh, God is not his God. It's the God of his fathers. And it isn't until probably until he wrestles with the man who is God in human form and then goes on in the next chapter to, to reconcile with Esau, which is really, I think, the beginning of sort of setting the, the, the whole tone for the rest of the book of Genesis. I would yeah. argue that from that point forward, Genesis is a story of forgiveness, uh, and it's a powerful story of forgiveness. And at the very end, what, jo- what Joseph is underscoring with his brothers is, this forgiveness saves lives. So when a guy like Martin Luther comes along and correlates forgiveness of sins to life and salvation, he is standing on very biblical ground, especially especially the end of Genesis. And that that's there's your table. And right. what happens is the leadership, the pharaohs forget this. Uh, it's possible that even Israel forgot it a bit. Uh, the, the the nation within the nation uh, forgot it a bit too, and and it's going to take a guy like Moses to bring these promises back to remembrance. Uh, that's well said. That there is a is a remembering theme, certainly mm-hmm. uh, certainly visible in this first chapter. Let's go ahead and read the chapter. Then this is 
Exodus chapter 1 in the English Standard Version from the top. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin. Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers in all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Puah, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this, and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Glad he's not president. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Man, there's, there's, there's just so many things going on in this first chapter. Uh, I think that what you said about how Genesis really sets us up, I mean, especially some of the language here. Um, yeah, a yeah. lot of connections uh, that go back to Genesis. Um, but like, also, I think there's kind of a little bit of uh, going forward in that, all everything that you see already is sort of setting this up already there's this kind of this this back and forth this opposition right between pharaoh mm -hmm. and um and these midwives you know it's interesting that like kind of the first hero in the story are actually these midwives um but it's interesting because they're they're there's this dealing this shrewd these shrewd dealings right pharaoh's like oh mm -hmm. well, well you know let's let's deal shrewdly with them right but then well they're shrewd right back um and, and we're going to see that later once moses comes onto the scene right that moses is going to be shrewd with pharaoh too and say well you know we need to go out in the you know, out into the wilderness and uh, do some sacrifices, right? So, uh, I mean, already I think that there's the, the kind of looking back, but also the looking forward 
uh, which is, of course, you know, like why this is a brilliant first chapter here, right? Right. And, you know, if you're looking for a connection to Jesus, uh, it's a connection to one of the more challenging statements Jesus ever made, the be shrewd as serpents uh, and as innocent as doves. He does not, uh, I've always taken that statement as him saying he does not want his people to be naive um, yeah. in, in in dealing with one another, in dealing especially with the world, uh, there's a certain uh, value in being shrewd. He also told the parable of the, the shrewd manager as well, which is another challenging section of scripture. Um, right. And and uh, the yeah the midwives. That's a, you bring up the midwives and their shrewdness in return is an interesting question because it, it looks to me. I, I did a little research, of course, mm-hmm. uh, coming into the to the show. It looks to me like there's a little bit of a divide on on whether or not the midwives are being entirely truthful with Pharaoh. <laughs> uh, there, there's, a, uh, um, there's a school that says they definitely were, and that's why God rewarded them. Hmm. But, uh, you know, when, when Luther was lecturing on Genesis at the end of his life, and he got to the story of Jacob and Esau, he was not oh, afraid gosh. to ask, ask his hearers the question, can God work through a deception? Yeah, uh, and and the answer to the question is obviously yes. We know that you know uh, it's an easy verse to run to, but it, it, it is helpful here. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, and I, I guess I would like to leave the midwife's answer as as undecided in terms of whether or not they were being truthful. I would guess there was probably an element of truth to it. Uh, whether it was truthful in every circumstance, I I, I don't think we can really say. But regardless, regardless of whether whether they were being truthful or they were misleading uh, Pharaoh a bit, Pharaoh has no response to it. He's he's silent uh, uh, to what they say, and at the end of the day, God is God takes whatever it is, truthful or otherwise, and works it for the good of the children of Israel. No question. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm glad you used the word shrewd there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that was I was a little bit yeah anticipating the same sort of thing. I mean, I, I think you're you're right that there is a division among the people who look at this stuff who are in the commentaries. I mean, the same thing happens later on with, with Moses. Uh, people are asking the question, well, so is, is Moses being entirely honest, right? I mean, is it is it when mm-hmm. he says like, oh, well, uh, well, you know, we're just going to go worship for a bit and then we'll come back, right? I mean, is that <laughs> is that is that honesty? Like, like but, it, but plans just changed or, well, it was just part of it. And, you know, and we, and we get into this and uh, I, I think that you raise a really good point. And Luther of course, was not afraid of it to say, you know, I, it's not as if everything in the Old Testament is meant to be, uh, you know, a parad, a paragon of virtue, right? I mean, there's, right. there's, I mean, I mean, that's just not how it is. I mean, you, you mentioned Genesis earlier. I mean, just look at <laughs> the story of the patriarchs. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that I think is, uh, you know, to be frowned upon. So, I mean, that, that's not really, I, I mean, I think, I think you're kind of right, at least in the, in the sense of, uh, you know, it's not even really what we should be even focusing on necessarily, you know, like what, whether like what they did was was perfect or not. It's what it says. Right. Without getting into mm-hmm. I mean, before I mean, we should go back to the very beginning of the chapter, but without getting too much ahead of it. Right. Why they're commended. Right. Is ultimately that they fear God and they do not obey this unjust command. Right. I mean, that's right. the emphasis right. that they're not going to kill innocent children. 
I mean, the whole thing about whether they're, you know, like they have their fingers crossed behind their back is, is immaterial. <laughs> I mean, really uh, compared to, you know, this, this directive. And I mean, this is, um, you know, like the, the, the apostles, I think in some ways, um, in acts, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very good. Very good. Well, let, let's go ahead though. We have a couple of minutes before our break. Let's, let's go and just focus here on this introduction because yeah, it's exciting to look at the, the stuff, the drama, uh, but we shouldn't we shouldn't skip over the introduction here. Um, I mean, like you said, there's a lot that takes us back to Genesis, uh, and it's really cool the the way that it does. So, <clears throat> so just you know, looking at those first couple of verses, right? Um, just so so really 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 trying to just put first things first. The the first thing that happens is you have a list of names, right? And mm-hmm. it's just you you oh it's a list, boring, and you want to skip <laughs> over it. But but no, we we saw this when we looked at numbers. These lists are always so important, and whenever you have a list, you gotta pay attention. What order is, is everything being listed in? Because it's always significant when you have this stuff. So, what are your thoughts on that? Right. Well, uh, my my thoughts on this is that especially as you look at those first uh, seven verses, the correlations to to two other uh, similar lists one in genesis 46 and one in genesis 49 are very very strong it's pretty pretty much exact um the, the listing and even the construction these are the names the first few words of uh, exodus 1 1 um are, are kind of right on the money with with the way those those other lists are recorded which in the bigger picture, let's take that up to 30,000 feet. What that accomplishes for us is it accomplishes uh, the, the very strong probability that the author of Exodus is the same person who wrote Genesis. <laughs> and that's, that's important. It, it lends to the credibility of the text you're about to read because uh, you, what you see is you see that the narrative that's going to emerge out of these lists uh, organically emerges out of the end of Genesis it's written by the same person who wrote the end of Genesis, and he's working from a, a I mean, he must have this, I, I have this feeling he's got this written down, or, or he's got some scribe who's got this committed to memory, mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who he then, you know, consults when he writes this. And and that's, the, the fact that one through seven, I mean, you could almost imagine not having a book break here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you it, could it's... almost imagine, and maybe that was the case. Well, it's it's something I've something I've thought about. I mean, it is interesting that I mean, one of the weird things you mentioned the Hebrew when you look at it, the very first word is technically and, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's right. it's and and if you if you kind of press that, it 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 can kind of read as it just continues what you had at the end of Genesis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you mm-hmm. know Genesis, it was like, well, you know, so these are Jacob's sons, and and then here it's like, well, and then then here's what happened next. Um, there is a, a sense where I think you're right, where it does really seamlessly just uh, go from one to the next. Mm-hmm. And that adds to the whole credibility of the text. Um, it, when, there, when, there's a, a, when there's a big bigger break there, or a bigger separation, um, then for me personally, uh, well, I think I'm going to restate this. The way I would say it is this, and that is because there is no obvious break and i'm wondering if in, in original manuscripts if they were that if they were divided into five books you know it's quite possible a narrative just keeps on trucking but the mm-hmm. fact that it does 
the fact that it does, regardless of us seeing one book ending and another book beginning, the fact that the narrative seems to keep on trucking just uh, makes that makes it obvious that uh, the, the themes that are about to emerge here are just harmonious with everything we've already seen. And that, that just, I guess the word I'm, I'm describing here is what we might call the unity of the document. Yes. Uh, that, that's the word I'm talking about. It's just, uh, there's no, uh, there's no interspersing of anything new here. Um, everything builds out of what, what came prior in, in a marvelously unified way. That's well said. It's time for our break. We'll want to talk a little bit more about that. I mean, it's the really big theme, though, of the unity between Genesis and Exodus and the rest. But everybody, hang on. We're looking at Exodus chapter one here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered if your investments could do more? I mean, a whole lot more. This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. When you invest with us, you not only earn a competitive interest rate, but your investment goes to strengthen Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations through low-cost loans and services. To learn more, visit lcef.org backslash invest101. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. We live in Accra, Ghana, West Africa. We listen to KFUO through the internet. It's nice to listen to a church service going on here in the U.S., the music and the talk shows. It's been very uplifting, really encouraging. So thank you. Bringing the word of Christ to listeners around the world. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO. How do we love our neighbor on the internet? Why are the creeds so important? What does it mean to practice Christian hospitality? Questions like these are answered in every edition of The Lutheran Witness, the monthly magazine of the LCMS. The Lutheran Witness can help you interpret the world from a Lutheran Christian perspective by providing reliable, biblical reflections on the issues that you care about the most. Get your free issue at cph.org witness. That's cph.org witness. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 1, and we're joined today by our guest, Pastor Dan Torkelson, pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in North Prairie, Wisconsin. Yeah, we were just talking about, you know, how Exodus 1 just really just flows right out of Genesis. Um, there's just a lot of connections looking back, looking forward. Uh, we're going to draw a few more here when we actually look at these names. But before we get to that, I just want to make sure to invite everyone listening live. You can uh, bring any of your questions or comments to the conversation here for me and Pastor Torkelson. If you want to give us a call, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo. Dot org. Uh, we already got some email questions we're going to take a look at. 
Also, uh, if you're following along on Facebook, I just said hi to somebody who is following along on Facebook. You can check that out. Put your questions or comments there too, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. So, uh, oh, and I don't know. Also forget, speaking of things on the internet, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation is on the internet. <laughs> there are underwriters. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word, their website, lhfmissions.org. All right, so yes, turning back to the text, um, you know, brother, you, you were saying, you know, you, you had this continuity. I, I've thought about it actually this way, because uh, I think you raise a good point about, um, in some ways, Jacob being the, the central figure of, of Genesis even. Um, you know, it, they're called the books of Moses, right? So when you think about it from the perspective of Moses, right, Moses is kind of standing there in Exodus, right? So right. in some ways, I, I feel like, or the way that I, I think of it um, is that Genesis is like a prequel to Exodus, right? Like if, the, if, these, if these were coming out instead of like scrolls, but as like movies, right? You know, like the first movie is Exodus, right? Um, and right. then, you know, you, you get some sequels in there. Um, you know, I, I think like maybe like Numbers or Leviticus is like the spinoff or something. Uh, <laughs> to try, something something like, you know, uh, Deep Space Nine or something like that to mm. make a just nerdy sci-fi reference. But um, but yeah, but then and then it just it does so well. It's such a such a smash hit, right? You do the prequel in Genesis, um, and and I think then that's when you kind of see like, oh right. So all this stuff about um, you know being uh, growing and multiplying and filling the land that was all set up in the beginning, right? And so you you, you kind of see this and all set out. Um, but you, you have that that center um, that that center uh, point, I guess in exodus um in some ways that's kind of that's kind of the starting point I mean, that's where moses comes onto the scene and and does this but i mean it's it's at the end of the day uh, the books are about god and his people i mean it's the people of israel that you see created here in exodus um and and there in genesis well it's like hey well there was a creation of god's people even before that where he created israel the man um, and then before that, of course, he created mankind and, and the world itself. So, I, I mean, I, I think there is this kind of um, sense where Genesis is, is sort of just Exodus prequel. I don't know. What, what do you think of putting it that way? <laughs> Are you suggesting Genesis was written uh, second? <laughs> oh, goodness. I, or, or later. <laughs> I, I, I have we'll no idea that. what Moses wrote yeah. first. I don't <laughs> You know, I mean, don't don't you know? Hebrew goes from right to left, right? So maybe yeah. he wrote the whole thing backwards. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, well, you're you're I, absolutely I, right uh, at, at the point of it seems like all the major themes that that come home to rooster in Exodus one uh, begin in Genesis, and and I, I love I love the way you took that all the way out to creation. My my appreciation of Genesis has matured over the years that I've been a pastor. Um, not that I didn't ever not appreciate it, but I think in my technical training in college and in seminary, I was I was an eight-year uh, uh, kind of person on the way to become a pastor. Genesis was often restricted to discussions of creation versus evolution, and I think yeah. that you know, um, obviously we have to uh, to to rely on Genesis in that discussion. But there's so much more to the book, and and what you did was in sort of beginning at Exodus 1, really beginning wherever Moses is standing when he writes Exodus, you look back all the way to the to the creation and saw the themes 
you know, flooding in uh, into the book of Exodus. It's interesting to note that as, as Israel now has no trouble multiplying, and they've become a mighty nation within a nation, or really a people within a people, um, the word nation is is the word that we often use to translate this word, but um, I think a lot of moderns hear the word nation as a nation state, and that's yeah. not necessarily the way that word is understood in the Bible. So mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of favor the word people here. There are people within a people. Uh, it's important to remember that this promise was first given to someone who was not able to have children. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham, What Abraham and Sarah found so very, very difficult and were delivered from miraculously in their old age um, is now happening <laughs> without any effort, although we all know what effort it takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, on both ends, uh, you know, the, the, uh, interestingly, the description of labor uh, here in Exodus as opposed to Genesis uh, uh, chapter 3 and the curse uh, is, is quite remarkable because the, the women are so vigorous that they're having the, the children too quick for the midwives to get there. Uh, doesn't sound like the curse. <laughs> my, <laughs> well, my wife would have loved that that sort of thing. Oh, goodness. Oh, man. Oh, oh, so many, so, so many thoughts. Right. And I'm, and I'm a, I'm a young, young, young dad too. So, I mean, I've, I've just, yeah. we're kind of coming off of those experiences all uh, very recently. So yeah, yeah, I know a lot of, a lot of things come to mind, but um, so speaking of though, right, the process of, of making children, uh, we want, we want to look at this list because I, I think the list is, is interesting and it kind of focuses actually on the idea of um, their, their mothers. But before we get Get there. Right. I do want to take a look at some of these questions we got. Um, we kind of already talked a little bit about some of these here. Um, but so one of the questions we got over email was um, about, you know, why why did God um, deal, uh, I, I guess, why were they rewarded by God? Um, and, and so I think we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the midwives. We already talked about it a little bit that my leaning is is that it's, it's because of their faithfulness and obeying God rather than an unjust decree. But uh, we can mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about that, perhaps. Um, but I think the, at the beginning here, the questions are um, about how uh, about this prosperity, because we see there in, in verse seven here, um, they, they were fruitful and they increased greatly. Um, and it's in, only in, in eight then that there's a mention of a new king who is is not going to be nice to them. So the question is is sort of like, well, is, is this like the responsibility? of the king? Is it, is it a God-given um, ordinance commandment that the king deal this way with them, um, that they would be uh, fruitful and multiply? Is there, is, so kind of looking at the connection between the king, the, the you know, God, um, and, then, and then the people and the prosperity there. So that, that's, I think, a really good set of questions that we want to look at. Um, I, I think I want to take a look at the names, though, first before we get there. I, I don't want to neglect the okay. question, but uh, I don't want to neglect the the names first. So before we get there, you're, you're looking at the names, and you notice um, this is not uh, the the chronological list of names. This is not the order that everyone was born in. This is not the uh, order just you know uh, oldest to youngest or youngest to oldest, right? But uh, the the names here are by by mother. So you've got the the sons of Leah, Reuben, Simeon, uh, Levi, and Judah. Um, and and Issachar and Zebulun, and then um, then we've got Benjamin 
thrown on there, who is, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of conspicuous in, in the order here, because there's your, your mention of one uh, son of Rachel, Rachel. Right. Um, but, there's, but there's reasons why Joseph's not named here. Um, and then, interestingly, we've got Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, who then are the, uh, they're the sons of the, the servants, so not the actual wives, which... Right. I mean, I don't, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of different things you can do. I mean, I think that you, you see these groupings um, elsewhere. I think you mentioned that there, there's some other lists that have this. But I wonder, too, if this is a little bit kind of foreshadowing this, right, that you have the, 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 the free children, so to speak, listed first, and then, and then the children of the servants mentioned last. And I wonder if this is kind of pointing to the slide that happens in Israel of being, you know, free yeah, heirs of of the father uh, of of the you know rightfully married wife to children uh, children born in uh, servitude and and then of course here even slavery. But I don't know what what do, what do you make of the list that we have? Well, I I think yeah, I mean I I, I like the way you put that. I I would I think would I build on that a little bit and help maybe help the reader understand that. These were still children of the promise, mm-hmm. though, and and not yep. all servitude is created equally. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what Egypt proposes to do, what Pharaoh proposes to do later in the chapter is introduce uh, slavery in all of its worst forms. And I don't mm-hmm. want to get into too much of a discussion on this because in our day and age, it's a very sensitive topic, but it's also sure. a topic that is sometimes informed by modern socioeconomic understandings, which sometimes don't don't recognize the full extent of things. I mean, if you go into the New Testament, you go to, say, Paul's letter to Philemon, what you see is you see that um, it was possible to have servitude in your household while still treating the slave like a member of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, I think, the, the, the way that list is to be understood. They may be the, the children of servitude, but they are full members of the family, full heirs of the promise. Um, and it's not slavery in its harshest and most awful understanding. Um, the Bible is kind of strange on slavery, I think, as you know, uh, or servitude, as, as you know. Uh, I don't. Obviously, it does not. It does not endorse this harsh treatment that the Pharaoh is going to propose, and that has dominated a lot of the history of slavery. It does not endorse right. that. But it does not. What it does endorse is if there's going to be a master-servant relationship, that would be more like a. One, I guess, more one more provisional understanding that you still do have a responsibility for the care of that person, and if possible, uh, like like a part of the family, which these were, these clearly were. So I, I, I like the way you you put that, and you're right. That's the way the list does break down. So why is Joseph not mentioned uh, in the list right. until until we get to verse six? Um, and and uh, if if you're going to put Joseph in the list, you'd put him there with Benjamin, which would put him kind of right in the middle of the list uh, mm-hmm. in, in some ways. And maybe there's some significance to that, too. I hadn't really thought about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, thanks. I think uh, for, you know, clarifying and building on that. Yeah, I think certainly we, we yeah, I did. You want to make sure that you that we recognize that Dan and Naphtali and Gad and Asher are not any less in, in the economy 
of of God's household here. I mean, we know we, we looked at Joshua not too long ago, right? I mean, they end up with some pretty nice um, inheritances, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, Dan actually is, I mean, he never takes possession of it, but he's given like, you know, that prime real estate. Um, and of course, even in Israel today, I mean, there's just that, you know, that, that area of, of Dan, which is like, I mean, that's where it's at. That's where we want to be right on the coast. Um, you know, Gad and um, Asher, you know, like you've got, I mean, you know, Gad gets, uh, you know, Gilead there, that some some nice uh, Transjordan um, area. Um, you know, Asher, I mean, yeah, you get that area up north, um, up by the coast again. I mean, so, I mean, all these guys, I mean, they're all full uh, sons. But it's interesting that, you know, this is, I think, kind of the idea, like you were saying, they have a certain status, a full status, but it's forgotten, you know, and then this is the this is the issue, right? I mean, this is the, kind of the issue with us, too, that, you know, we're, I mean, we're, we're I mean, sons and daughters of God, you know, and we're, we're Christians and baptized in Christ's name. The problem is that we forget, and right. it's when we forget that we fall into the slavery, right? I mean, the slavery, I mean, it's, it's almost like the slavery is nothing more than just simply forgetting how free we actually are, you know, and, and, that, and that's what sin is. Sin isn't um, anything that adds to our knowledge, actually. Um, sin is actually just a subtraction from our knowledge, and, and we forget certain things, um, which, which is then what which we become, become slaves, really, uh, because of our own ignorance. And so, so, yeah, I mean, so in the same way that, you know, these are all, these are all free, there is already, though, this, this forgetting. Um, the first action, though, um, is, is talking about who had come uh, to Egypt. And so, I mean, of course, that's why Joseph doesn't get named there, because he right. was already there. He didn't have to, you know, pack up all his stuff and move. He's already there. So, I mean, it, it's it's kind of interesting because there is a little bit of parallelism with Genesis 1 already. Um, uh, I mean, just that idea of, you know, hey, like the, the Spirit of God's just already there, hovering over the waters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and, and then the action is going to pick up and that is where things get really very very genesis e if i can put it that way because then you've got your kind of first uh big action word there um in in verse six which is actually that he dies um right. you know which is which is i mean that's yeah what i mean that's like the opposite of genesis but yeah like so the first like big action word um in genesis is like you know and god said right um, you know, and he starts like creating things. The first thing in Exodus is Joseph. Joseph dies, um, and yet, and yet, there there's some mercy here because right after that, it's what well they they're fruitful and they multiply and they fill the land. They're actually uh, fulfilling despite death. They're fulfilling God's first commandment: be fruitful and multiply. The one that was given. Um, in Genesis. So, I mean, that is really something when you line those two up, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing to remember about Joseph, too, is that uh, of all the characters of Genesis, uh, who is the one who understands servitude and slavery the best? Uh, most likely that's Joseph. Jo- uh, you, Jake, Jacob might be able to make this argument. I mean, his, his years with Laban. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know that they're ever described as slavery, but but Joseph's are uh, when he's in Potiphar's home first, and then later on. Uh, well, actually, not so much later on. Uh, after after his imprisonment, he begins to rise. But what what Genesis introduces us to in terms of slavery is, is Joseph gets sold into it, and he makes the best of it. 
And again, it gives us a, a different picture of servitude in that regard because uh, Joseph is able to rise in the economy of Potiphar's house. And uh, when he all of a sudden comes into contact with Pharaoh, he makes himself very, very important. And I suppose one of the lessons that comes out of Genesis coming, and, and that is very relevant coming into Exodus, is that what God wants for his people, especially in their relationship to uh, the ruling class, is for them to be useful and, and helpful uh, to the ruler. Um, so what the Pharaoh, when when the, the new Pharaoh comes along, what he essentially does is he forgets how useful these people were. Um and how uh, <laughs> what he thinks is shrewd is really not. Uh, he probably mm-hmm. would have been more shrewd to to treat them kindly and, and encourage their, their support. But if his concern was that they might join a, an invading army, well, they're going to be uh, potentially more inclined to join an invading army if they're being treated poorly. Right. Um, so <laughs> uh, the, the Joseph... The, the connection to Joseph here is rich. Uh, Joseph gives us a whole picture of what Israel's relationship with the Pharaoh could have been uh, and, right. and winds up not being. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about that, that, that kind of the, the would-be shrewdness, right? The, the apparent wisdom um, that doesn't really pan out to be as great as we thought it was going to be, right? I mean, and now, I mean, in that, again, I mean, just drawing those connections to Genesis— I mean, I mean that that's Genesis chapter three, right? We've got this really mm-hmm. shrewd serpent who's got this really great idea. Hey guys, did you think about this? I mean, this 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 fruit right over here. I mean, we could have things even better. I mean, just think about how much uh, how how much even like this could improve. Um, and so that seems like a great idea. Um, and then we have that, and uh, actually things manage to get worse. So I mean that that same kind of way. Uh, I'm I'm wondering here actually if the if that word for for like the the shrewdness is actually even the same word now. Um, I hadn't I didn't look that up before. It is, uh, yeah. You know, I, 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 as far as the connection here, I don't know, but um, uh, there's a, a an annoying tendency in some translations to translate. Uh, the, the Greek word uh, that, that Jesus uses as shrewd <laughs> as just another word for wisdom. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Wisdom is, is really its own category. It's a, it's a much different term. Um, shrewdness is, is uh, probably best understood as just a, a worldly, uh, an understanding of how the world operates. And, and Jesus encourages his, his people to be shrewd uh, in that regard. They're going to be more effective yeah. uh, if they are shrewd than if they are naive. Right. Um, but but yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Like I was just looking at it here. Yeah. In verse 10, it's the same root um, as, yeah, chokmah, that, yeah, w- wisdom. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so there it is. It's like, hey, guys, let's be wise. <laughs> right. I mean, pretty much like the words out of the serpent's mouth. Right. Um, and that's where mm-hmm. all the problems begin. Right. I mean, so, I mean, this is, this is the issue. I mean, right. We, we forget God. Um, and and we try to be wise on our own, and then all these problems happen. I mean, I mean that's what happens, right? He did not know Joseph, and I think by extension the idea, right? He did not know God. I mean, so th- this is the issue, right? You're like, oh well, let's let's know this wisdom, but you turn away from God in the end, and so you're right. Things things go badly um, for them in the end. I mean, of course, we all know what happens. They wind up on the the shores of the of the Red Sea. Um, 
but I mean, before before we get there, you know, we have this this confrontation where he, you know, he executes this this plan, this population control. He wants to stand in the way of uh, the people of Israel uh, being fruitful and multiplying. But this is the will of God. I mean, this, this is a lot like Balaam, uh, right? Like where mm-hmm. he's trying to curse him. Like, no, don't be fruitful. Don't don't multiply. But hey, you know what? You can't stop it because that was the promise to Abraham. It's going to happen. You can't get in the way of this. Um, you know, so I mean, you know, you, you have a point that, you know, is it possible that God actually does, um, <laughs> you know, kind of relax the curse a little bit and, you know, the, the children are coming more freely. I mean, maybe I'm <laughs> under the circumstances, but, um, you know, at, at the end of it, right, it's that there, there's this there's this duty to God. There's this commandment, be fruitful and multiply um, and to, to love life and not to, to destroy it. And so the mid, the midwives, um, they're they're. I mean, it's the obedience to the commandment. I mean, that that's in view here, right? I mean, they're they're just fulfilling the mission of Genesis one that's been handed to them. Right, right. And um, my my focus on on the, the the divide in the scholarship between did were they truthful with uh, Pharaoh or not? That that it's an interesting question, but but your answer is is more foundational to answering the question of why God. Uh, rewarded that God rewarded that because it was ultimately faithful to His command to to love life, as you said. Um, it is interesting how we get distracted by those things. We we get uh, Christians who just cannot bring themselves to believe that God can work in all things, especially if those things are uh, um, deceptions or or you know maybe bendings of the truth or anything like that. Uh, people are people are going to have sinful natures. God's going to work through all of it, and that is a pretty strong, uh, uh, strongly stated teaching in the Bible. Why we're afraid of it sometimes, I don't know. But you're right. At the at the end of the day, this is a little bit like Acts five with uh, John and and Peter in front of the the Jewish ruling council saying we must obey God rather than men. It's not uh, not given to us to to obey laws that that would take life and in essence force us to sin. Uh, can you imagine being a midwife and having to actually carry this out? Wow, uh, yeah. it'd be awesome. Right. Well, I mean, that, that, that is it is really interesting, though. That already you see this. That I mean, um, you know, and this is you know, like you were saying, this has been an interesting time for us the last couple of months, thinking about the, the civil realm. You know, how do we love our neighbors? Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, this, I mean, all these themes really are in. Uh, chapter one, right? Like, how do the Israelites get along with the Egyptians, right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and you know, think about it, right? They're they're serving the the pagan king, right? Who who doesn't you know know their ancestor or their god who worships other gods? But I mean, they're 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 a blessing to them, right? They work for them, and they're I mean, they're building them cities and all this, right? I mean, so so they're going along with them and serving God by serving their rulers as much as they can, but then. You know, when, once the ruler goes and uh, transgresses, right, because, you know, he's supposed to be upholding um, justice fundamentally, and, and there's just no justification for killing innocent children. So when, once you overstep that bound, right, then then God's rewarding them for obeying God rather than men here. Um, right. So, and, and also just, you know, he, he's, he's dealing well with the midwives and continuing to just bless his people so that they— multiply and grow very strong so i mean like it's just it's just god kind of doing this more and more and more um until you get to verse 22 which is i think then 
where th this is just setting us up for Moses already then, right? Like, okay, well, we can't, we can't stop them when they're being born, but well, we can at least throw them into the river is the, is the next right. idea. And the command goes out to the whole, uh, to all the Egyptians uh, mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, the midwives can't be counted on. So if you're aware of a Hebrew child being born, Hebrew male uh, being born, cast them uh, into the into the Nile and let every daughter live, which is, this is genocidal at this point. And whatever economic advantage the, the people were giving you, you're, you're threatening to throw all that away, uh, or not maybe all of it. Um, I, it, the, the question might arise, why, why the sons and not all the children? Um, right. The daughters probably could have been co-opted into Egypt uh, mm -hmm. in a way that, uh, that the sons um, could not. But uh, at the end of the day, this is not, as I read this, uh, this is yet another worldly ruler um, not, <laughs> not thinking long term very well. And imagine that. <laughs> Not like we don't see that. Yeah, we don't. We don't That's see that. That's right. Today. Yeah. Well, a, a ruler um, only thinking about their short-term political advantage. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. No. That's. That's. Uh, yeah. It's a good point. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, I think you make a good point about you know the why why the the sons and, and not the daughters. I think that's the idea. We're trying to undo God's people. We're not going to have them be a distinct people anymore. I think that's a little bit of the idea. Also, just throwing into the Nile, the idea of being cast into the sea, right? I mean, that's that's the, another Genesis image. When things go into the water, into the sea, it all just mixes together. It's all a blur. That was creation, God separating things out. Um, and, and so here, here he's trying to undo God's creation. And now what's going to happen? Well, God's going to undo his rule and his land of Egypt. Already mm -hmm. setting it up. Thank you so much, brother. Really great conversation. Awesome having you on. We've got to have you on again. God bless yeah, you and your great, people. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Uh, God's blessings to you. I'll be listening. I'm curious to hear what more is said about this marvelous book. All right. Thank you. Sounds good. Everybody, that was Pastor Dan Torkelson, pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in North Prairie, Wisconsin. Moving on in Exodus. Till then, Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.